Welcome to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast where seeing things differently inspires limitless possibilities. The Limitless podcast was created in order to inform, educate, entertain, and share stories from within the blind and partially sighted community that show that the opportunities for those who are blind or partially sighted are truly limitless. And now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to your host, the founder of Blind Beginnings, Sean Marcelet. Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. I'm your host, Sean Marcelet. Thank you for joining us again this week. Today, we're talking about advocacy, and we have some guests from AEBC, which is the Alliance for Equality of Blind Canadians. Hopefully, I got that right. Welcome, Ryan Fleury and Chantel Oaks. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. It's glad to be back. Great. So why don't you, um, if you could start by introducing yourselves, we would love to hear uh, sort of your your blindness story. So your level of vision and maybe, you know, how, how you became part of this awesome blind community and your role with AEBC. I am I'm, um, a resident of Kelowna, BC, currently visiting in the Lower Mainland. And um, I have congenital I was born with congenital cataracts so my vision has pretty much stayed the same all my life which is approximately um three three to four percent depending on the lighting and so on as most people would would know if you have partial vision but I think part of the misconception sometimes is when you learn to manage so well with the little vision that you have compared to someone who has none, um, it kind of looks like you can see more than you actually can because you get around so well and you don't, especially in familiar um, surroundings. But if I go somewhere and the environment is totally unfamiliar to me, uh, now as, as I get older, I am a lot more cautious and uh, um, try to, minimize the damage to my body by not falling and so on. Mm-hmm. I became a member of what is now the Alliance for Equality of Blind Canadians that 31 years ago was um, National Federation of the Blind Advocates for Equality. Our name did change after a few years. Um, so I've been a member since about 94. And um it's been a long, long journey with a lot of changes, a lot of learning new things. And uh, I'm sure as we get into our conversation, we'll uh, discover a little more about that. Well, I'm Ryan Flurry. I lost my sight in a car accident, which left me totally blind. So I have no usable vision whatsoever. And I don't know if there's a medical term for it, but the eyes were ruptured, optic nerve was severed, and that was that. So totally blind. I've been a member of the Alliance for Equality of Blind Canadians since 2019. And this past year ended up being elected to the national board. So like Chantel said, there's been some changes, some learning, and it's been an interesting journey so far. Great. Well, I'm excited to hear more about that. So um, can can either of you speak to sort of the history of AABC? Um, why why did it start? What was the need? Well, there were some uh, some folks who um, knew a lot about the National Federation of the Blind in the U.S., mm-hmm. um, which is also primarily an advocacy 
organization and speaking on your own behalf. It's it's for people. It's not of people. So they came to, um, you know, once they moved to Canada, they wanted to see if there could be an organization sort of modeled after the NFB. And, um, but, you know, to add our own Canadian touches to it. And as there was already in place, um, you know, the Canadian Council of the Blind, there was CNIB, of course. And um, in those days, that organizations like Boost and so on. But the idea was that this organization would truly be the um, the members uh, running it and and putting in place all the mechanisms that would allow us to advocate for ourselves for the things that we really needed and how to go about it. So that's sort of where the the history came from. I'm curious to know what sort of spurred each of you getting involved with an advocacy organization? Did something happen that really ticked you off? (laughs) (laughs) What what caused you to get involved? So I've been a member of the blindness slash disability community since 1995 and have worked in the assistive technology field with this community since 2000. I've, for the last few years, and thinking I need to get more involved with the community other than just doing the day-to-day job. And told somebody in the community about that and then got nominated for treasurer on the national board, which I right away said no to. Um, and then there was another position open up for one of the director positions. And I thought to myself, I can't say no a second time because I've already told them I want to be involved in the community and affect change where I can. And so I said yes to that, won that nomination, and here I am. <laughs> okay. Okay. So just sort of a call, like a, a feeling like you wanted to... Time to do something. Do something, Time yeah. to get off my butt. Right. Yeah. Okay. This is going to show my age now a little, I think. <laughs> I um, was a member of the Canadian, Canadian Council of the Blind for many, many years back in the 80s, um, you know, when there were a lot of white cane clubs around. Mm-hmm. Um, I was an executive member uh, during those days and went to a lot of conferences and saw the things that they were doing. And uh, then when I decided to go back for further education um, during my college years, I got involved when the National Educational Association for Disabled Students was founded in 1986, I believe, um, and got on their um, national board as well as a representative for students who were blind. Um, That's basically how my little you know side career got started with advocacy work we went on to develop um sort of a a chapter of needs in bc as well we did it successfully got funding and um but once i got married and had children that changed a little bit for a few years you know that first couple of years when you've got to pay attention to your family a little bit more but as uh, we were living in Surrey at the time, and when we decided to move to Kelowna, the couple of people who were instrumental in starting the NFBAE at the time, which is now AEBC, sort of um, 
latched on. We had two children. They had two children. We sort of, you know, wanted the same things out of life, maybe had different approaches, but we came to some understandings, and that's how we got involved with AEBC. Mm. Ryan, you're on the national board. Is there still a BC chapter? There is the BC affiliate, which okay. is um, it was created in two thousand in, in two thousand seven, I believe, because there were a few chapters in British Columbia of the AEBC. But through the years, um, you know how members reach a point where they uh, are no longer able to commit their time or whatever. We lost a few of those chapters, but. A lot of members remained uh, members of the national organization. So um, two years ago, we decided that some of us from the Kelowna chapter and the Vancouver chapter held positions on both boards. And we were basically doing the work, which was not really efficient. Mm -hmm. Um, So we amalgamated and now there is only the BC affiliate, but of course, then we'd have more members and those members from the island and other mm. um, couple of places in BC. So, you know, we welcome anyone in British Columbia to uh, to join the BC affiliate at any time so that they can um, find a way to advocate as well. So how does it work? It, are people contacting you because maybe they've they're facing some discrimination or... Um, there's a, I don't know, an unwillingness to accommodate in, or they've come across a, like, are you dealing with sort of small scale or, or only big projects? Like maybe give us an example of some of the advocacy projects that the AABC is working on. All the above. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll just. A friend of a friend. (laughs) Yeah. I'll just do a quick overview of some of the advocacy stuff, the national uh, organization is working on, and then Chantal can maybe touch on BC. So nationally, um, we've been talking with insulin pump manufacturers about making their products accessible, because currently they're not. Mm-hmm. And so if you're blind and a diabetic, it's really hard to make sure you're getting the right amount of insulin or too much insulin or taking your readings, getting your readings, that sort of information. So we've been meeting with them and have further meetings this fall. Um, you know, we presented to um, Ottawa, uh, the Senate on the Disability Benefit uh, Act that's in place and regulations are being developed. So we, we spoke up about that. Um, you know, we're writing letters pretty regularly to manufacturers about appliances and, you know, the lack of accessibility when it comes to touch screens. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big issue. E scooters nationally, you know, our Ottawa chapter is dealing with that transit um you know canadian transportation agency we work with them elections canada on accessible and independent voting you know the voting machines Mm -hmm. you ask them where they are they don't know or they don't know how to use them we have people coming to us asking how they can make their business more accessible their website their services their products you know we we've had a couple people and this probably goes back years but recently um, we've had a couple of people come to us because they've been denied um, access to employment because of their quote unquote accommodations that they need. Right. And so they've asked us to, you know, be an intervener for them or go to bat for them as well. So we're doing all sorts of stuff nationally. That's awesome. Wow. So 
I'm, I'm sidebarring already, but I'm just curious <laughs> if businesses are coming to you to ask uh, how to make their business more accessible or how to make their website more accessible, are those businesses willing to pay you to do that consultation or to, you know, do they contract somebody to do that? Or are they expecting that the well, charity I can talk or about the, the current yeah. situation and Chantel can probably talk about the past, Okay. but up until this past March and correct me if I'm wrong, Chantel, we haven't had paid staff. So we've got a big chunk of funding, which allowed us to hire an, an executive director and an admin assistant. And we've started asking people to make a donation to our organization because, you know, we are not going to just offer services for free, right? There's a fee mm -hmm. for service. Mm -hmm. Everybody charges a fee for something. Yeah. Um, and we have some lived experience that we can share. So that's currently what's been happening. But, you know, again, Chantel can speak to the past. Mm -hmm. It's it's interesting that there have been a couple of organizations, other um advocacy organizations who have consulted with us in the past and have paid, um, you know, an amount for the, the services that they received from us um, wasn't always requested, but it was just something that they know you don't always get for free all the time. It's, it's a, it's an understanding. I think that the expertise that everyone shares uh, should be respected and uh, you know, when the recommendations are followed, especially, and, and uh, you know, there are uh, positive changes to be made, then it's nice to know that you were able to help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> I absolutely think that those services should be paid for, just like, I mean, we've contracted people to do diversity training in other areas, and it's kind of the same thing. If you right. really want to be inclusive, then, you know, put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Yeah. A lot of the initiatives you're working on are, are really great. What what would you say are some of the biggest successes that AEBC has had in terms of advocacy? As Ryan mentioned earlier, we, um, you know, we were invited to present at the Senate level this year regarding the Canada Disability Benefit. And not only were we invited, but our recommendations actually showed in their transcript when wow. they handed over to, yes, when, they, when it went back to the house. Um, so that means there were definitely some who were listening and listening intently enough to want to try and um, make some of those changes. Um, we had appeared before a few years ago as well on different issues regarding the Canada Disability Act. Um, and again, every time either the Canadian Transportation Agency or um, the Canadian Radio Television Communication um, Agency ask for our input when they have um, uh, situations where they accept different uh, briefs that they might want from different organizations, we participate. We participate as much as we can so that our voices can be heard. And that's what this is all about. Whenever there's an opportunity that presents itself, um, the Advocacy Outreach Committee, which is a national committee, but don't forget, comprised of all members from, uh, you know, across Canada from our different chapters. And, and they're the ones who 
um, see to it that uh, questions are answered or meetings are convened and that sort of thing. Now, um, I believe you you were going to ask about what happens in BC specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we recently were able to receive funding from the Disability Alliance BC, which is ultimately from the provincial government, to do a special um, emergency preparedness project. Once, you know, we've had lots of floods lately, we've had fires, wildfires, we've had disasters. Um, but when the, the Rogers outage came about last summer, this kind of triggered a few people to say, wow, we didn't realize how hampered we would be if we didn't have cash on hand to go buy whatever it was you needed at the store that day because internet services were down in a lot of places. We didn't realize that, you know, if you have no power, what is it you're going to eat today? Does it require being heated or cooked? Or And so we thought that it would be a good idea to bring together um the ability to, we also researched online to see what resources were available, specifically um, um, pointed to persons who are blind, deafblind, partially sighted, because a lot of times there are pictures to look at, do this, do that, go this way, go that way. That's not helpful to us. So we agreed that part of our, and part of our proposal that we would provide online services or online resources rather which would assist anyone who was blind, deafblind, or partially sighted to be able to maybe find a way to make their own emergency plan and be able to know what to do in case of a particular emergency, whether it's an earthquake, whether it's a you know flood, or whether it's wildfire threatening the area where you live. And so our project is half over now. We've done the focus groups to inform our research. The research is being done as we speak and the workshops will be held in the fall, um, at which time we will be recalling all the organizations that we invited to partake in before and inviting people to attend, um, to take part in the workshops. Um, I hope it's money well spent because I think it's an important topic, Um, but also, Around our community, there are always transit issues. There are always issues of, you know, people getting denied um, access to services because of guide dogs. Not that we are always the people that can ultimately uh, correct those errors, but I think it's the community that comes together to lend each other a hand in supporting one another and, you know, uh, I'm sure Ryan can also speak to the the peer-to-peer program where, you know, peer support is so important, especially during times like the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we know that something needs advocacy-related, um, um, you know, uh, attention is because these people come to us and say, did you know that, you know, um, the pharmacy I deal with refuses to even think about dealing with script talk, right? which is helpful to those who are blind. And then we can say, well, you know, that's not appropriate. This is what you do. You phone here, you go there. And that's the kind of thing we do. And it's it just sometimes we um, have issues that we can't 
completely, you know, bring to a satisfactory ending. It's like planting a garden. Some of the seeds take, some of them don't, or it might grow little or it might grow big. You never know. So um, it's just the work that we do and hope to make positive changes in the end. And keep in mind, you know, our organization is an organization that is run by members. The paid staff are executive staff. The board makes the decisions. The members have a voice in everything that we do. And so without the members' input, you know, there's no organization. Um, You know, we have a variety of committees. Each chapter has a variety of committees. We don't just do advocacy. And so, you know, if people are interested in, I don't creative writing for our newsletter, um, helping with website or blog updates, if they're interested in membership engagement and recruitment, um, or as mentioned, advocacy. We have a variety of committees, and you don't have to be in BC to be on the Ottawa chapters committees. You're a national member first, and so you belong to a national organization, which really opens up the opportunities for people right across the country. Because, like Chantel alluded to with our peer support program, you know, we have a variety of chats through the week. One on Thursday nights, the BC affiliate hosts. One on Friday afternoons. The national office or national runs that anybody from across the country can attend, and it's just a chat. You talk about tech, you talk about upcoming events. It's it's a social atmosphere, and so we try to maintain that balance, right? It's not just all work all the time, but you know there there is stuff to be done. These these issues don't just get dealt with on their own. Do you have situations where members might disagree? <laughs> Is that ever a problem? And how how do you navigate that? Because, you know, I think that's one of the problems in the blind community sometimes with advocacy is there has been. Yeah, yeah. So how have you handled that at AEBC? Well, I mean, let's be frank here. Sometimes people can't handle that someone wants to do something differently, so they may walk away. Mm -hmm. And that's okay because um, they uh, they have a right to try and sort out whatever dilemma they had on their own. But for the most part, I think we're able to um, bring members together and say, well, you know, we could try something this way. If it doesn't work, then perhaps we should try another way. I think it's it's all about, you know, different philosophical um, thoughts that people have and, and uh how they want to collaborate with others too, I think gets in the way sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, um, I feel that in the end, at the end of the day, um, when we are talking about whether or not you got denied a ride in a taxi, there's only one way to fix that. And that's for the taxi company to realize that you are entitled to sit in that cab with your guide dog and get to where you need to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and how you achieve that, maybe um, some people might have uh, different ways of doing it, but I just think in the end, we all want the same thing. We we want to be able to have equal access to the same services that everyone else has without having to... Um, not fight, I I don't like to use that word, but without having to um, 
have so many hesitations as to whether or not this is right or this is wrong. It's just uh, the inclusion. I think people's attitudinal barriers, they are still um, in the way of realizing that we are um, people first. Our disabilities uh, should be maybe they should start looking at our abilities instead of disabilities. But um, as far as members getting along, trying to get to do the work, it's no different, really. I know we talk about the blind community having more problems with this, but I, I think that um, it's not that much different than with other groups. Uh, mm-hmm. You're never going to get everyone to truly be in sync with everything. Yeah, for sure. And we do, and we do work with other organizations. You know, I've often been. You can often hear me saying that you know the blindness community can't agree on anything. That's why nothing gets done. Mm. Um, but you know, if you if you look at the environment, we have the CNIB, we have the CFB, we have the CCB, we have AEBC. It's all because everybody had a difference of opinions. Your your siblings, your brothers, your sisters don't always agree on everything. We work together for the greater good of everybody, right? Mm-hmm. So you try mm-hmm. to find that middle ground. And at the end of the day, you may not agree, but you're working towards a common goal. And you just have to choose your hill to die on. <laughs> Do you provide coaching for people on how to sort of advocate for themselves on a smaller scale? Is that something... Or does that happen through maybe the peer support? Well, it definitely happens through the peer support. And often, you know, you can tell that there may be one or two people who are a little stronger in that area. And they might say, you know, can we um, can we arrange to have some time together where I could uh, maybe give you some useful information? But I also, um, as far as I, I know... Um, with AEBC having been successful in securing securing some funding to hire um, some staff, now you know we will also have uh, the time and um, the funds to be able to offer a little more training in the advocacy area. There are a lot of people who probably could do very well, but they just don't have the confidence to do it on their own. And so they kind of sort of hide in the background and every once in a while they'll pop up and give you um, an inkling that, you know, they would like something to be done about a particular um, thing that they're having some trouble with, but they're not, as I said, they're not confident enough to be able to do it for themselves. So any of us are more than happy to lend a hand when that happens. I think we should reach out to Blind Beginnings and contract them to do a building confidence workshop. (laughs) Well, we do a lot of um, work on self-advocacy in terms of like getting, encouraging kids to ask for what they need, know what they need, know sort of where they're going to need accommodations and be able to communicate that. Um, But it's, yeah, that doesn't mean there's so many things. There's so many aspects, right? There's sort of the confidence in the first place to stand up for, Mm -hmm. to speak up maybe you're a shyer person or maybe you just are used to kind of not being included. And so you don't even know that you should be. Um, There's so many, so many sort of like psychological barriers before you even get to like, who should I talk to and what approach should I take? And, you know, um, you're probably more like, what's that expression? You can catch more 
bees with honey or something, (laughs) (laughs) something like that, (laughs) rather than yelling and ranting and raving, you know, there's a better way. Right. So we don't, we don't go too far in that realm. Um, But speaking of that, I know, Ryan, we've had conversations about how do we get more young people involved, which is kind of why I wanted you to, to come on the podcast. What, like, how can younger people get involved or, and I, and maybe even knowing, you know, the kids that are growing up today are growing up in a different generation than I did. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot more available to them than there was. So some of the things, you know, uh, when they go to a movie, there's audio description. That was not a thing when I was a kid or just, yeah. So talking bank machines, I don't even know if there were bank machines when I was a kid. (laughs) So (laughs) uh, Just, yeah, those kinds of things. Like the world has changed so much and there's still a long way to go, but we've come so far. So maybe this, this next generation doesn't even know that they have to fight for things or that they have to advocate because it's already available. I don't know. Well, and that's my concern. And and Chantel, I'll definitely let you address this as well. You know, we are going to be looking at what sort of programs we can offer to attract younger demographic. Our demographic is probably 40, 45 and older. So our members are aging out and, you know, moving along. Without younger blood, you know, the organization will die. Mm -hmm. And so we need to find out what's important to to your your members right. you know when i listen to a limitless podcast and i hear people are being denied an uber five or six times in one night mm-hmm. they should be screaming from the rooftops not, not just to uber but come and talk to ccb cnb abs i don't care who you talk to yeah but see if we can get a community together and approach it with a united voice because mm-hmm. the United Voice will be louder and stronger than just you sending an email through an app saying, you know, your driver didn't pick me up. He refused the ride. Right. Um, you know, finding things that are of interest and important to them. You know, I don't I don't do this, but I wonder, you know, do do the 20, 30 year olds even think about when they go to the movies, they have audio description do they even think about when they're walking up to an intersection that there's going to be an audible traffic signal? Do they even think about audible announcements on transit? Mm-hmm. Or is it just taken for granted? That all took a lot of effort from a lot of people mm-hmm. to get implemented. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, these 20 and 30 year olds in 20 or 30 years, yeah, the world's going to be a different place. But what kind of world do we want to live in? You know, our blind and, and partially sighted young people have aging parents who will possibly face some sort of disability, what sort of world do they want their parents to be be in? So it's a it's a larger conversation, but I, I really, I think the conversation has to start with asking the younger people, what is it that interests you? What are, what would get your blood boiling? Like, you know, what is mm-hmm. it that really pisses you off? Yeah. <laughs> and let's work on that because People got angry that there was, you know, no audible signals on TransLink. You know, mm-hmm. when it takes a blind guy to fall off onto a SkyTrain track, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, these are issues that need needed to be addressed and were addressed. And like I've said before, I don't care whose organization people join, but a united voice is a stronger voice. And, you know, that conversation needs to be started. Right. That's a good example. Um, Uber denying a guide dog user 
because that one driver could get an earful or the whole company could get some training, you mm -hmm. know, right? So if enough, if there's enough complaints, if there's enough people banding together, if you can go to a company and say, we have had, I don't know, 30 people in the last three months who've been denied access by an Uber driver, we need to do something about this. It's like your complaint goes so much farther. Yeah, let's see how we can help address that situation. You know, there's like you said earlier, it doesn't make a lot of sense to yell and scream and moan. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's positive ways. I think, you know, I've said this to Rob before. We need to show our appreciation to the, the companies and organizations that are doing good work and making strides. Sure, maybe things aren't perfect yet, mm -hmm. but they're on their way. And we need to acknowledge those as well. Um, equality, inclusivity, accessibility take time. And it, it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of people. So these, um, these, these Zoom meetings, I'm assuming, or calls or whatever they are, where the people, members can just connect, are people sharing what's going on in their lives? What access needs they have like because maybe even just attending some of those and hearing what other people are struggling with will kind of tips you off like oh i'm struggling with that too i didn't i didn't realize you know that i'm not the only one or that this is something that maybe we could do something about yeah that's Chantel, partly exactly ahead. that's partly exactly what they're for mm. um and we um, with the the chat on thursday nights with bc affiliate Currently, the lady who hosts these calls has decided that maybe the first week of the month, I'm not sure if I'm going to get these in the right order, but just to let you know that maybe the first week of the month, she would have people just give an update about what's going on in your life. What are you happy about today? Are there any issues you'd like to discuss? Can we help you with anything? Um, do you have something great to tell us about? And then another Thursday, we might have talk about technology, anything technology related, you want to let us know, you know, whether it's, did you know that you could plug your Victor string to another device? And did you know that you could not use this with this particular outlet and whatever? Um, people come and they don't mind. It doesn't have to be a structured, uh, formal call because mm -hmm. we want people to be at ease. But certainly um, there have been conversations of just about everything on those calls and same with the Friday afternoons for, um, you know, the one that the uh, national board hosts. And I just, I think that this is a real way to keep people um, not only connected, but involved. They know that um, there's somewhere that on Thursdays or Fridays they can go and share some information and perhaps even gain more knowledge about something. Uh, there are some people that are, you know, not connected to a huge circle of people mm -hmm. uh, like some of us are. I mean, I have plenty of family around. I have kids. I have grandchildren. A lot of people don't have that same opportunity. But um, just, just to give you an example, a little bit of a advocacy work uh, related to what we were talking about earlier, when you talk about bank machines that are accessible, um, one of our members, well, two of them, Chris and Marie Stark. Chris Stark um, uh, passed away a couple of years ago, but 
Chris and Marie were the instigators of making sure that bank machines were going to be accessible for blind people. Um, and being members of AEBC, that was a huge um, undertaking for them, both personally and, you know, on behalf of an organization. They, um, that, that kind of advocacy sort of helps to boost the morale for, you know, make sort of the gateway to do other things. Because mm-hmm. uh, there have been plenty of examples we could talk about different things that have happened over the years. Um, you know, someone had a, a court challenge regarding um, websites of, of Canadian government that were not accessible. And this was a successful court challenge, which AEBC was able to intervene in. Um, so we we were... Uh, successful in a lot of things, but sometimes it was small steps to get there, and it feels like an eternity. But the young people today, I also wondered, same as Ryan, when they leave the uh, Blind Beginnings organization, where do they go to figure out how the rest of their lives is going to pan out in the sense where, did you know how the announcements, you know, the audible announcements were uh, possible on sky trains? Or do you have any idea why there are tactile markings all over the sidewalks and all over the curbs? Mm-hmm. Those things didn't happen by themselves. They were as a result of many people advocating from many different organizations and for a long time. Um, it, You know, it's uh, people getting together to... Um, make sure that um, our voices are bigger and to be able to make these these changes that are going to make a difference in their lives. They're the ones, I mean, once, you know, you get to a certain age, you figure, well, we've got the best out of what we could. Now for the, it's time for the young people to do the same for themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and with us too, you know, you can be as involved as you want to be. You know, I'm on two committees, the chair of each committee, and we meet once a month for about an hour and a half, right? So it's not like you're in a four-hour meeting every week for the rest of your life. Um, <laughs> you know, we have multiple committees, you know, and and I'll, I'm assuming the BC affiliate is the same. Chantel can correct me, mm-hmm. but I'd like to offer, well, I'd like to just mention that if there are youth who are interested in, in the organization and want more information about our committees, most of that information, if not all, is on our website, but they can always reach out and they don't have to be a member to attend a committee meeting. They can no, come if they're interested no. in advocacy, just reach out and say, I want to sit in and just hear what you guys are talking about. Mm. If they want to know about the newsletter and what we're, what we're writing about or talking about, past issues are on our website. If you're into creative writing, come and contribute a story. You know, people need to not worry so much about, I don't think I can. It's just come and offer, come and come and give us your suggestions, your ideas, your creativity, because that's that's what's desperately needed. Like I said, our demographic's getting old. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. I've been out of the advocacy scene probably since my son was born. I used to be way more involved in volunteering. And I mean, Blind Beginnings keeps me pretty busy. It's not like I'm not doing anything. But, <laughs> but sharing out, being kind of out of that realm of on a monthly basis, talking about 
advocacy and initiatives. Um, recently in Coquitlam, where I live, they've started this new little scooter program where you can just like swipe your phone and take a scooter. Scooters, um, yeah. And they're just dropping them anywhere on the mm-hmm. sidewalks. Right. And it's, it's really annoying. I've been complaining about it to people <laughs> and it didn't even occur to me until you mentioned electric scooters in Ottawa mm-hmm. that I was like, this is something I could maybe do something about. So sometimes we're, we're just all ranting on our own at home, yeah. slamming doors and, stubbing toes and <laughs> meanwhile maybe there's already some people that feel the same who are already working on something so sean there is with the e-scooters there is a paper that a white paper already that's been written there's a um, uh, a group called cag the consumer access group which is made up of different organizations there is a paper available i can send it to you okay um, yeah that's it, great it's and we've already, I mean, personally, I have spoken to a couple of different um, council members from different areas in Lower Mainland to see uh, the people that go that belong to the uh, Persons with Disabilities Accessible Committee mm-hmm. um, and to stop e-scooter programs. But, you know, I don't think they'll ever be stopped. We have, the problem is the same everywhere. Toronto, as far as I know, were the only was the only city that was able to actually cancel the program during the pandemic but now they're talking about it again and not only that it's not just these scooters it's the robots that deliver things and and so as as far as i know for instance in Kelowna, there were five companies that started uh during the pandemic but i believe now there's only two maybe one more coming on board because they weren't obeying the rules. They got told, you know, forget it. You can't do what we're asking. People are getting hurt. This is not working. Then, you know, you can't be here. So um, I believe probably most of the pilot projects are going to end soon because some of them were three years. Some of them were five years, I think. Mm. So, um, yeah, you need to figure out what's going on in your own area. And then, you know, we need to keep speaking about this uh not only like ottawa wanted the companies to put some sort of audible um signal where because when they come at you they're quiet right and yeah. if you don't know to move at the right time if you zig and they zag and you move <laughs> in the right place yeah you're going to get hurt and so are they but because they you know they were trying to figure out all kinds of ways to make sure that this could be a little more safe if a blind person was going to be around them, but Mm -hmm. it was not an easy conversation by any means. Well, it's just so much more powerful to send a white paper already written on the Mm -hmm. topic to city council than just one call in from a blind community member, right? Like, so knowing that, yeah, that I might do something about it, so that's just a perfect example of how you could just be really angry all by yourself about something that's going on. And meanwhile, there might be other people across Canada feeling exactly the same. Guaranteed there are other people mm-hmm. feeling the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Or if you've been trying to work hard on something on your own and all of a sudden you speak to a friend and they say, oh, you know what? So-and-so in this organization, they've been there three times and they've talked to them about this. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, wow, we didn't know. Yeah. Because always aware of everything going on around us right 
Well, and you have to keep trying, right? Just because you talk to one person one time and nothing happens doesn't mean that's the end of it. You might yeah. get somebody different the next time who changes your world. You mm -hmm. just don't know, right? That's so you true. can't give up. For sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, so how could how can people find AEBC if they want to get involved or attend one of these calls or become a member? Well, nationally, if they want, they can visit us online at blindcanadians.ca. If they wanted information about our committees or just us in general, they can send me an email, and that's just director1, the number one, at blindcanadians.ca. As for the BC affiliate, while they're on the national site, they will find us there, but as well, I am the president of the BC affiliate and quite... Um, willing to make welcome anyone who would like to join us. My email is Chantal, C-H-A-N-T-A-L-H-O-A-K-E-S -O -O -E at gmail.com. Thank you so much, both of you, for being here. Um, oh, one final question. Is there, do you have to be an adult? Do you have to be 19 to get involved with AEBC? I, I believe our bylaws might suggest that I'd have to check for sure. Um, but you know what, as observers, I don't believe that that would be an issue anyway. Okay. And what about parents of blind children? Do you absolutely? Yeah, our, okay. our organization is made up primarily of blind people, but we do have some sighted people who are members and supporters. Um, you know, that's not a problem at all. As a matter of fact, you know, uh, some of them work just as hard as, as the blind people do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I, I'm definitely going to check out some of these meetings. Sounds mm -hmm. sounds like I could get some support too. So that's fantastic. And we fantastic. have an email list. Sign up for the email list. Yeah. I didn't know you had a newsletter. I, I feel yeah. very informed yeah. after yeah. this conversation. <laughs> thank you. Well, thanks for having us, Sean. I really thank appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah. My pleasure. Yes. Anytime. You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. If you have a question, a comment, a future topic request, please send us an email to limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. Please share our podcast, like, subscribe, leave us a rating, and join us next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted, along with their families, visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca and also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time.